0: Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a Paradox.
1: Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox, and I'm Josh. I'm Jimmy. And we are so excited to have Crystal Evans-Hurst on the show today. Crystal, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Crystal is a blogger, author, speaker, Uh, Her latest book is She's Still There, Rescuing the Girl in You. Crystal, tell us a little bit about your book.
2: Well, in my experience, women of all ages, literally from teenage all the way up, have multiple moments in their lives. They can at least think of one where they've looked in the mirror and thought, okay, who am I? Or whose life am I living? Or how did I get here? Or I'm exactly where I wanted to be, but it's not what I thought it would be like. And she tries to reconcile her reality to either a dream that she had, a dream that she lost, or a dream she'd hoped she'd find and she never did. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a, the goal of the book is to just it, help women feel as though, one, they're not alone. And two, what do you do when you find yourself in that position?
3: I personally am so excited that you wrote this book because I've been telling Josh that he needs to rescue the girl in him for years and years. <laughs> so finally a resource. It's such a, an interesting premise that you have to reach back into and find that girl from your childhood and then pursue their dreams, identify them and pursue that young you's dreams. Where did this come from?
2: Well, you know, and this is a figurative girl as opposed to a literal girl because some little girls didn't dream. Um, It was either choked out really early or they were just happy-go-lucky and, you know, and it felt bad because they didn't have this big dream or this one culminating idea that they were aiming for. But the concept there, that the the figurative girl represents the fact that there is something in you that you're supposed to honor. And sometimes it gets lost with time and um, hard parts of life or mistakes or just the length of life, you know, just can kind of get, you can kind of hit the doldrums. But many times, um, no one's ever encouraged you to to honor that girl, to, to think about what she's passionate about, what lights are up, um, what her purpose may be, what her next step is, and to be very intentional about doing enough digging to take the next step. Now, I, I know that there's premises in, you know, psychology that talk about looking back, and and, and my encouragement is to be have a balanced approach, um, Yes, you gotta look back when we drive we have a rear view mirror. But that mirror is a lot smaller than the than the front windshield. Absolutely. So mm. there there is the tap back, um see if there's anything that gives you a clue. Um, but if not, where you are today, you you probably can think of some things that made you laugh harder, made you feel good, or um, you know, seem to give you a sense of purpose or belonging. Um the goal of this book is to say there's always something you can do to rescue her. It may not seem mm. large or big or Uh, monumental, but there's always something. And most of the time, because the something that we see is small, we don't think it's worthy. Mm. Um, So the encouragement that I want to give to women is wherever you are, you don't have to stay there, and you can always figure out a next step.
1: You urge women not to revisit the dreams of their childhood, but to validate and pursue them, kind of distinguish between the difference of those.
2: Well, because sometimes the dreams that we had Weren't really the totality of what we need to do right now, but there is some hint inside. So, for example, I would—I'm the oldest of four kids. So, you know, when it came time to play school, I was a teacher. Always was. Now, I could have taken that and become a teacher. I actually think I would have enjoyed that. But that—that desire to give instruction can manifest itself in my life right now in a number of ways. I actually do homeschool my kids, so I do use that. But apart from that. I do that when I go to women's conferences and teach the Bible. I do that when I'm a a geek, you know, ten times over. I do that when I get to show my sister, who's not, how to work something on her on her on her phone. So what is it that showed itself up in your childhood that may not need to necessarily be exact same form in your adulthood, but that gives you a key towards the bent of your design. And so, uh, if you can again isolate something, one thing and then honor that, then it unlocks other keys that unlock other doors for you to continue moving
3: forward. Well, a lot of the, the folks that we deal with here at the Timothy Center are adolescents. And so when you, you, you hear the, the premise of the book, you know, the first thing that comes up is, is why in the world would you think that the dreams that a teenager had would be worth pursuing into adulthood? I know when I was a teenager, my dream was to be a, a world-class ballerina. And it was a dream, Josh. It was uh-huh. a dream. Uh-huh. But when you look back, you know, he's it? gosh, you know, some of us are kind of embarrassed at what we were thinking and doing when we were a kid. Why would, why would you say validate those dreams and pursue them?
2: Because the question is why, why is it about the dream or is it about the under there's, was there something underscoring that? Because when you validate and pursue the The dream, maybe not in its original form, but in the foundational form of which it for why it existed, mm-hmm. you're still honoring something in you there there is most of us, even though we improve we get better we mature we we you know we we know ourselves better we know how to operate we know how to adult there are still things from the from our build that we can identify in ourselves as adults that have always been there. So when you dream as a child, the question is why? Why is this a dream? Is it that you love being on stage? Is it that you love the music? Is it that you love um, being in a position where you can give uh, other people happiness or pleasure? Or are pleasure, or, or you in a position where you love the art? Wh- why is it that that was a dream? Can you isolate some of the parts of it? And those are the things that you validate and pursue, not necessarily the dream in its original form.
1: You, uh, you devote a lot of time in the book to discuss the drift. What is the drift?
2: The drift is what happens when we stop paying attention. It's what happens when you look up and you realize that you're not just five minutes away from where you intended to go. You're five years away from where you intended to go. Time passes really quickly. And if we're not intentional with how we spend our moments, those moments can turn very quickly into months. So the drift happens when you didn't intend to end at where you are, but life Mm -hmm. happened or your, your one small decision made way to other small decisions. That pushed you way far out. I have a friend who moved to um, California to take a job. It was a great job to take. Um, But she found herself seven months later constantly experiencing loneliness. She was miserable. Now, she she said that, you know, that wasn't obviously what she was pursuing. She was pursuing moving forward in her career. So the, the decision to change careers wasn't a bad one but the drift in her emotional state and her ability to feel like she had a community, feeling like she belonged, um, feeling like she was known, that drift in terms of community happened because she made a decision to take a job but without the intentional her purposeful decision making to find community, to get to know some people to to uh, you know find a church or join a book club without those intentional things her personal loneliness that place became a place she drifted to because she didn't intentionally cultivate community in her new city. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you spend a good time, uh, a good part of the time of the book discussing discussing your story, where you came from, and and you talk about being a um, a single mom as a teenager. When you write, you know, when Christian authors write these books, so often people put them on a pedestal and and just want to hear every you know drop of wisdom that that flows from their mouth and uh sometimes you can be put on a pedestal and yet you were very blunt and honest uh about kind of the situation where you came from and what happened when you were young did you have any second thoughts about just putting it out there for everybody uh,
2: i wouldn't say i had second thoughts i i i knew that i was going to talk about the teenage pregnancy how much i was going to say was where i wrestled because i really wanted to let that story take up some real estate in the book for the purpose of saying, I've been there and I get it. Maybe not everybody struggles with teenage pregnancy or has that as a part of their story, but they know what it is to experience a broken relationship, to feel alone, to not to wonder if they can get out of the bed, to wonder if God actually loves them, to to think silly, stupid. Why did you make that mistake?
3: And I think yes, and sometimes we think that all of you know, successful, you know, Christian people is we just have these idyllic upbringing. And it was just all roses and wonderful.
2: And I think I had a great upbringing. And, and one of the things I always say is that, you know, Adam and Eve had the greatest parent ever. But and Eve look what still happened. chose to bite that apple. <laughs> you know, she still chose to bite that apple. And so when you raise kids, you can give them. I mean, they were in the Garden of Eden. You have to do your part. Let God do his part. And know that your children still have to make a choice. So you do everything you can to set them up. Um, and, and so people always wonder, well, what happened? You know, my, my dad even asked me that. What could we have done differently? And I looked him in the eye and said, I don't I don't think you I don't think there was anything. Right. I I think you know, so for so the purpose of giving that story real estate is to say, I get it. Here's my story, here's my lost girl moment, here are all the feelings I experienced, so that people can identify and then hopefully believe all the other stuff that I say. Uh, one of the things I struggle with when I read books is hearing all the wisdom and thinking yeah, but you don't really you don't really know what it's like for me.
0: <laughs> yep, <laughs> you know, exactly. you
2: know, you haven't had it like I've had it or you didn't have to come from the depths of the darkness like I did. And so the good thing about my story is that um I can't hide it. I mean, if you do the math, you know I was a teenager when I had my first daughter. So that kind of gives me a little bit of a it kind of gives me a little bit of a uh, a pass because it's already obvious. Sure. And uh, and I try to say over and over again in the book in different ways, you know, this wasn't my only mistake. This this isn't it because I wanted to say also this story does not necessarily have a bow at the end of it. Mm. That's the other thing I, I that bothers me when people have the testimonies and I'm glad that a lot of them have bows. I'm glad God can deliver people and instantaneously they are new. But for a lot of people it's a ten year process. You know, mm. it is a it is a lifelong struggle. And so I tried to say that too. Here's here's the story. Uh here's the here's the facts. It was not a nice neat bow. And then here are other stories. You know, I've had struggles in my marriage with finances. We've had um challenges with raising our children. I've struggled with weight. I've you know, here are all the things, but only so that the reader can say, Oh, I get it. She gets it and hopefully mm-hmm. take to heart some of the practical principles that I share.
3: Recording our Paradox podcast is a labor of love. We love exploring topics important to Christian families.
1: We love bringing you interviews with authors, musicians, and podcasters that are shaping our world. Also, Jim loves to hear himself talk. See, I've been told that my voice is mellifluous. You have no clue what that means, do you? No. We also love making
3: thousands of dollars. I know I do, if not you, Josh. I mean, we are, I don't know if y'all know this or not. But on this podcast, we are literally taking baths in
1: $100. Jimbo, Jimbo, we, we're not making any money. And actually, as right now, we're behind $2,500, so we're actually losing our shirts. But see,
3: see, that's a negative confession. You seem to think that that's a problem. It's not a problem, my friend, because we have a Patreon account.
1: Please consider supporting us on patreon.com backslash paradox. If you think the show has helped your family, if you believe in what we're doing, you can make a one-time contribution or set up a subscription. With your help,
3: we can continue to bring healing to Christian families. That's what I call mellif...
1: mellif... Melepho- the word
3: you're looking for is mellifluous.
1: So, bringing this into a marriage and family conversation, I'd love for you to tackle you know how can husbands assist wives in in rescuing that girl
2: it's so It's so funny because that is actually one of the most frequently asked questions I get um from 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 couples that I see together. The husband wants to know that the first thing is just to listen what I hear so many women saying in their marriages is they're functionally there but not emotionally there. You know, the husband is like, what can I do? Um, um, you know, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And many times she doesn't know. If she doesn't know where the girl is or if she's working through how to rescue her, she can't give you a one, two, three point. She she really needs to work through it. And, I, you know, I tell my kids all the time, <laughs> I'm not a perfect person. So you're probably going to need counseling one day. You're going to need the free con. You're going to talk to your husband, have pillow talk about me. Um, you're going to have some college roommates that you talk to about me, or you may need the paid time, you know, and you need some serious. And you know, I'm sorry in advance.
3: And we have some cards for the Timothy Center that we could we could send to you, and you could hand them. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
2: There you go. But here's the thing: I think that what we can give each other many times in a in a marriage relationship is a free counseling, just by listening. But people want to know that they're heard. And and many times, what the husband will be able to hear if he can focus and listen in. There are going to be threads. And he may find himself saying, you know, that, but that's easy. We could totally do that. You know, have you ever thought about this? Or, you know, why don't you take an afternoon and, you know, go explore and see? I mean, I think listening is the first key because that will drop clues. And the second thing I would say is as the husband starts over time hearing and he hears clues, then actively listen by, you know, making suggestions. Well, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Um and then the third thing that I would say is if you've been married for more than 5 minutes you probably know her enough to know some things that she would enjoy some things that make her happy some things that she would appreciate and just invest in the girl that she is trying to rescue or discover by giving what you can based on what you know and it doesn't it doesn't have to be you know you don't have to jump out of the airplane and drop thousands of dollars for a master's degree off the bat it could just be you know this semester hey you know you always have talked about Um, wanting to, you know, get back to creating some things, graphic design. You know, is there a class at the community college? Can I give Mm -hmm. you a night off every week? I mean, Mm -hmm. listen, find the clues, and then make investments as as you discover, as you listen and find the clues.
3: Speaking of the fellas, do they have something that they could learn from this book as well? I mean, does the drift, do these things, you know, uh, falling away from and losing your dream when you were younger, is is that a uniquely female experience, or is there something that guys can draw from this as well?
2: You know, my son-in-law read every single word, and he said to me, uh, every chapter, he said, why is this book just for women? <laughs> why is this book just for women? And I said, because all of my illustrations are for women. <laughs> but, if you strip away the stories in the girly way that I tell them, absolutely. Everybody needs to understand how life will drift away from you or how you will drift in your life if you do not choose to pay attention. Everybody needs to know what it means to coach yourself, to coach your head, your thoughts, to coach your heart, not letting your emotions uh, govern you, but instead of letting them guide you. Everyone needs to know how you coach your hands, how you get yourself to do what you know you should do that you don't want to do, and everybody needs to know how to coach your lips. How to use your mouth to speak truth and life to yourself, so there are lots of principles uh in the book that are not gender specific. I just had lots of girly stories, so i I chose that direction.
1: I'm writing a note to myself if my mother in law ever writes a book to read every word, <laughs> got it, yes, yes
3: that will okay. pay off, yeah. You know, my son-in-law read the first chapter of my book, and then he went to sleep. (laughs) It knocked him. I think he reads a chapter every night just to put himself to sleep,
2: actually. At least he agreed to read it. There
3: you go. Yeah,
1: exactly. Real briefly, before we let you go, what about parents? What can moms and dads do to help uh, this girl flourish in their daughters and kind of facilitate in adulthood, them not necessarily needing, their daughters not necessarily needing to rescue that girl.
2: You know, it's so interesting that you say that, because when I wrote this book, it's because my daughter asked me a question at 22, and I said, when do you think you were the most excited and on fire about your life? She said about 18. I said, go ask that girl what she wants you to do, because she's still there. You Mm -hmm. just need to ask her what she wants of you right now. This book was really written with that question from my daughter in mind. And I think what you can do, my daughter doesn't seem to struggle in the same way I do or I have. She does. I think we all do at different seasons, but the gift that I gave her, uh, we started homeschooling her because she was struggling in school and that gave us time. She was always very artsy, but now she had time to pursue the music and the art and the painting and the sewing and the photography. And right now for a living, that's totally what she does with the investment of what I just said men should do for their wives with me listening to her, taking cues based on her design and what she gravitated towards, and then investing in those things that I saw in her design. It gave her a knowledge and a grip on who she is. So she could say to the husband when she married the husband, part of the deal is I've got to have a craft room. It's a part mm-hmm. of who I am to be able to create. And so she was able to articulate that about herself. So I think what you can give to your girls is listen, take their clues and invest because they will then have something to hold on to. They'll know more about who they are when the waves and winds of life happen.
1: Crystal Evans. You can find more. She was fantastic. By the she way, She was it's crystal You can also find her on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search crystal Hurst, So without the Evans, yeah. I love, so advice to husbands as well as parents, listen, take cues and invest. In just the interests and the desires to be able to help those things flourish. Yeah, and if you ever find yourself drifting, I love that. When was the last time you were just passionate? Well, go
3: ask her. She's still there. Really, really good. Really good insight.
1: I think your biggest issue with parenting me growing up is that you did not give me a craft room.
3: No. Hmm. No, I didn't. Um,
1: My scrapbooker inside is dying Did you on the say vine?
3: scrap booger? <laughs> scrap I think you said Booker. scrap booger. Her book is entitled "She's Still There: Rescuing the Girl in You." Wonderful. Get it. Amazon it. Christian bookstore near you.
1: Yeah, and one last thing before we go, I loved her part about the drift and that how Christian community, how community can assist mm-hmm. us. In, in stopping that process. Yep. And so the importance of connecting with those around you is huge. If you want information, uh, more information about Crystal, you can go to crystalevanshurst.com. You can also go to paradoxpodcast.com and visit our website. Click on the Episodes tab and then find Crystal Evanshurst um, and click on that blog and post. And by the way,
3: the only downside is during my presentation of Enchilada's Zimash, she hung upon us. So... Are you going to take him back? I'm leaving her on the wall, but there's she's hanging by a thread. She's actually literally hanging by a thread.
1: If you want more information about Jimmy, myself, or the show, you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And that information is at ParadoxPodcast.com as well. Peace out, Jimmy. Have a wonderful rest of your day.
0: Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to TherapyWithBilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to ParadoxPodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. We as
1: adults hopefully have been through enough life experiences that we know no matter how hard it gets that we're going to be okay. You know, if we look back on our 30, 35, 45, 55 years of life, We've had some troubling times, but we've come out of that. So we actually know that hope exists no matter what. Our teenagers do not.